Right, good morning. As uh, John said, my name's Bernie. I've been asked to continue in the series that we've been doing on Jesus is a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is devoted to. And there's a list of those things, the subjects that we're going to be going through. We went to, um, we discussed about a disciple being devoted to the word. And today we're looking at being devoted devoted to prayer. Before I start, uh, those of us who, who, are, who are Christians, consider yourselves like Christ followers, uh, hands up everybody who feels they've cracked and mastered prayer. Yes, that's what I thought. I, I didn't put my hand up, hand up either. It, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. When I was asked to, um, and I realised, I was asked to speak but, and asked for a date, but I didn't know I was the topic that I'd be given. And when it was about prayer, I had mixed feelings. Uh, first of all, on the one hand, there is nothing more exciting than prayer. It's a brilliant, brilliant topic. But on the other hand, I'm also aware of me. And, um, uh, and this, this is a, 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 a bit of a challenge because when you, when you sort of sit there and you're looking at somebody who's speaking, you always sort of sense that the person who's speaking has got it all together, you know? <laughs> I'm sitting there, you know, you, you look at Dale and you think when he brings, brings something there, there, now there's a man who's really cracked what it is to be a Christian. He's really got it all together there. And, uh, but if you're looking at that to me, well, I'm sorry to say you're going to be sadly uh, disappointed. So I've deliberately made sure that my coat is in the front row there so that basically that's representing me. And so this morning, I'm going to give myself a jolly good talking to because I, I need, because when I think about myself and my, and my prayer life, you know, it's a question the spirit is willing, but the, but the flesh doesn't make, make, tends to make a bit of a pig's ear of it. Um, I, I get distracted. Everything crowds in, uh, and my mind starts to wander all over the place. I, it's, it's amazing how many times when you start to pray that suddenly you think of all the things that you haven't done and you've got to do, and I've got to quit. You know, I keep a little notepad and I write it down, but then I've lost, lost track of it or, or whatever. And then when it comes to praying in public, I remember what it was like the first time I, I prayed in, in public. I'd been going, I was a, 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 a student at uh, a Reading University at the time. I was going to a thing called um, Campus, Campus Crusade for Christ and they had, we met in somebody's room and we were, uh, spent a lot of time praying together. And I knew at some point it would be good for me to pray out loud. Well, one month went past, two months went past, four months went past, six months went past, and I'm sitting there thinking, that's a time I need, need to pray. So at one point, I summoned up the courage, I don't know how I did it, and I opened my, my mouth and I prayed. And I don't remember what I said. All I remember is that what came out of my mouth bore no resemblance to what my head wanted to say and my shirt was covered in sweat. It, so I'm not necessarily the best example, and I think we're, I'm not alone. We all feel this. Nobody's hands went up, which was encouraging. And the disciples felt the same. Now, the, the disciples were, were Jews, so they'd been brought up in, 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 in that custom. So prayer wouldn't have been completely strange to them. Secondly, they'd actually been taught by John to, to pray. 
If you look at Luke 11, 12, um, when, when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, they're asking Jesus that, it's, they, they say, you know, we, we've, we've heard from John. We don't know what John the Baptist actually taught them. Uh, it's one of those things I'd like to know what he said, but the Bible doesn't give it to us, so obviously we're not meant to know, but it's one of those things I'll ask him when we get to heaven. What did you teach the disciples to pray? But they wanted to talk, ask Jesus how to pray. And I think that in spite of their background, in spite of the time they'd spent with John the Baptist, they saw a dynamic in Jesus that they'd never seen before. They saw a life that was totally saturated in prayer. He spent, he took time out to be with his father. I can't give you enough references. We'd, we'd be here in the morning just doing that. that he, he prayed before he healed. He prayed to give, give, giving thanks. There wasn't a time when Jesus wasn't in prayer communion with his father. And we get the secret of that when John, uh, when um, uh, with the Gospel of John recalls that Jesus says, I and my father are one. And that's what motivated, that's what led him. So the disciples looked at Jesus and thought, wow, there's something here that we need to know about. So they went to the right person and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Who, who better? And it's quite amazing what Jesus doesn't say. Before we look at what he does say, let's think about what Jesus didn't say. He could have said, well, what, what you need to do to pray is on, on Monday morning between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock, on Tuesday afternoon, you need to face this direction, you need to be in this building, we need to be doing it in a particular way with these people wearing these particular clothes. I think sometimes we're so used to it, we don't realise how absolutely cataclysmic and revolutionary Jesus' teaching on prayer is compared with how everybody, how other people have always understood prayer to be. So as we come to look at the passage in, in, in Matthew where he, he, begin, he outlines what prayer is, just bear that in mind, how different his approach is. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew 5, um, Matthew 6 rather, from verse 5. So this is Jesus talking. And when you pray, do not, so he starts with some do nots, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. I slip into the King James, I can't help it. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So what is Jesus teaching us about prayer. 
Well, the first thing he wants to teach us about prayer is it's what it's not. And it's not a performance. It's not a performance. It's not about praying to gain public approval. It's not about praying with, with, by babbling on with, long, with a long, complicated words, as though somehow the work that we put into it is going to really, is, is what actually, actually matters. Now we might think, well, that's obvious. I mean, I have heard a lot of people praying over the years who seem to go on and on and on and on. And then you can't, by the time it gets to your turn, You've got nothing left to you've got nothing nothing left to, to pray because they've 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 said it all. But I don't but it's not just about actually that. I think the big problem is is that we use the language of performance to pry to ourselves. In other words, that prayer is not just an exciting topic, but also I think it can be one of the most guilt-inducing topics for Christians that there is. It's a topic that can induce a sense of failure, a sense of a fear, of, of, of inadequacy. Although somehow there is a bar at which prayer is okay, at which prayer is good, but though I haven't got there yet. The fact that none of us put our hand up to the question, do we think we've cracked prayer, means that actually that has, that has sort of infiltrated part of our thinking. Um, now, some of you will, will have been around at the time when we did this, but a long time, quite a few years ago, we did a spiritual survey in Verbal Family Church and we asked, we, we, we sort of put, answered questions about where we thought we, we were and about the church and that. And here's the question about... Um, about about prayer and it was how how much time do you spend in prayer each day how why what do you do you think make things easy or difficult to people to pray and interesting enough it was the, the the big response was that most people prayed on and off all day as a conversation that's how they prayed but the challenges this to the challenges lack of confidence struggling to know what to say Praying long prayers, praying out loud, worried what other people will think, not feeling clever enough. And Jesus says, you don't need to think like that. This is not what prayer's about. And we need to stop that because it cripples us. It makes us feel somehow that what's going on, the dynamic that we have, the relationship we have with God is not work what's good enough. You see, because what Jesus says first says, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. In other words, prayer is being with the God who loves us. It's relationship. It's relationship. When we come to faith in Jesus, when we come to faith in Christ, we, we learn to call God our Abba Father. And what God wants to do is he wants us to spend time with him so that we, he can impart to us the love that he has from us. It, it, it's a relationship. That's what it's about. It's not a performance. And I love there's a passage in, in, in Exodus where um, Moses uh, goes, talks about the fact that he used to go into the tent of the Lord. And it says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend that's prayer 
Do you know, we, we, last night, uh, Jane and I had a lovely time. We were, we, we were with uh, Michelle and we were with uh, Tim and Jan and we had a, a really nice time uh, being together. We talked, we listened, you know, we laughed and at the end of it, I don't know how the others felt, but I felt really good. I felt I had a really good time. I thought, must, must do that, do that again. What I didn't think was, what words was I using as I was talking? How was I getting on? You know, was, was, my, was, my, was my sentence construction uh, proper? Was I using good technical words when we were talking aspects of faith? No, we were simply enjoying each other's presence and sharing our thoughts and our hearts. That's prayer. That's prayer. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He then says, and when you pray, do not be like her. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is rewarding. I had a great time last night and I came away feeling better than I did before I, before I went in. It's a blessing. When I was a, 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 um, a Christian in the early days, I asked a guy and I said, how long should I pray for? And he said something that really helped me, that really sort of changed my whole approach to, to, to the Christian disciplines. He said, pray for as long as you want to. And you know, a light bulb moment went on for me because what, in saying that, what he was basically saying to me was, okay, you may only start off by only wanting to pray for a minute, but what you'll find is, as you pray for a minute, it will suddenly become two minutes and then four minutes, and then five minutes, and then all the time, because connecting with the Father who loves us is such a blessing and, 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 and changes who we are, that actually you will want to do more and more and more and prayer. You want to do it more and more. It's rewarding. But also, it's intentional. Because Jesus says to them in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. That's our responsibility. That's what we have to do. We have to go into a place where we're intentionally setting aside to, to, to be with God. Now when that is, how that happens, that can be continuously, that can be, that, that can be in the morning, it can be at night, that doesn't matter. But what matters is, that actually the value that we place on being with the God who loves us means that we set aside time. You know, when, when if, I want to, if I want to have another good time with, with, with Michelle or Tim and Jan or any of my friends, I have to book it in the diary. I make an intent, I do it intentionally. Jane and I have been married uh, 45 years. I mean, she has really had a blessed time over those 45 years. It's been brilliant for her. And we know each other pretty well. But at the same time, it's good to have date nights. It's good to go on holiday. It's good to be together. Even if some of that time is spent in silence. We need, we, it's about being intentional. Not about performance, but about being intentional. So how does Jesus go on to say we should could carry on? This then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven. It's in prayer where we get to know God for who he is. He knows us completely. Before He knows us absolutely through and through. But in prayer, we get to know him. 
We get to have the intimacy of knowing this, 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 this Father who tends and cares for us. But also we get to know his, his power, his greatness, his wonder. And we get all of that through, through, through prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Knowing God and coming into a time of prayer leads us naturally into worship and thankfulness. We can't pray to our God without being grateful. I mean, how I have my, my prayer times is I tend to start with thankfulness first. I just find that easier. It's, not, it's not, not a rule, but I just look back on the previous day and I just thank God for all the good things that happened in, in, in that time. His blessings, his little miracles, his little acts of grace. And then I just get carried up then in the, this, this, this Father has, has done this for me. He's, he's arranged, he's, he's been there with me, he's cared for me, he's got my, he holds my hand and he holds the world and he holds the universe. How God, how great you are. Leads us to worship and thankfulness. It says we should pray, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. Well, how can we be joyful? Not be happy. We're not happy that Les isn't here. We're not happy when people who are dear to us are torn away and degraded in the process of death. It's not right, it hurts. But we can be joyful because behind that lies the hope of, of, of God, the hope of new life. We can give thanks because as we said in communion, there is hope beyond the grave. We can be thankful in all situations, even in those times when we cry. We worship through the tears. We don't stop them, but we worship through them. Be joyful always. And as we pray, we can have worship and thankfulness. We're accepted for who we are. This is our Father. Hebrews says how that we can come. We don't have a high priest. You know, since we have a high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the great throne of grace with confidence. You know, that says, oh, well, there was, there was one there last week. It's moved. This week, it's a different one. But the banner that was there last week says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So it should be, it's disappeared this time, but there, you know, there is no condemnation. Prayer is not a place for condemnation, but for total and utter acceptance. We may struggle anywhere in life with any form of relationship, but when we come to our Heavenly Father, we, re we receive total and utter acceptance because we have received total and utter forgiveness from a saviour who, who's been through it all and with us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, then it's our Father. Coming to prayer reminds us that we are part of a family. This is a corporate prayer. <coughs> Even if we pray on our own, it's a reminder that yes, he's my Father, but actually he's our Father. 
we're connected automatically with, with, with our family, with our family here in the wider, with the, in the wider church community. We're family, we're connected to, to, to those and other fellow believers across the world. We're connected to them. And so when we come and we pray our Father, it, it, it causes us to, to connect with, to pray for, and to see ourselves closer to our brothers and sisters. So even when we're praying on our own, we are actually still praying corporately. We're called to be together. And prayer emphasises the family nature of our faith and reinforces the family nature of faith because God's fatherhood is universal for all those who put their trust in his son. Wonderful. What a good start. Thank you, Jesus, for what we are beforehand. Right. So where does he go next then with us? Well, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So another thing that prayer does, it gives us both a heavenly perspective and also reminds us of our earthly purpose. It talks about the, 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 our request to ask for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth. But actually an acknowledgement here that it's that's happening as it is in heaven. We might look around at the world and think, well, this is terrible. Look at the pain. Look at the suffering. Look at the, all the situations and the problems that there are. But right now there is a place where God's kingdom has fully perfected. There's a place where God's will is done continuously. It's happening in heaven right now. And we can lose sight, we can lose sight of, 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 the, of the power and wonder of God if we just take our faith from what we see around us rather than being reminded that actually in heaven right now, God's will is being perfectly done. There, are, there is no injustice there. There's no pain. There's no suffering. It is a place that is sin-free. So we can, we can rejoice in the fact that God's kingdom is both now as well as in the future. And what we want in the prayer asks us to do is to actually then ask that, because we want that to happen here and we want it to happen now. And it reminds us that our purpose is to be agents of the kingdom, to bring what is happening in heaven now to come to pass on, on, on the earth. And how is that to happen? When we as his people do God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And who's got, who is doing God's will first? It's us. And it all, so therefore, it gives us a reminder of our purpose. It resets our spiritual, mental and emotional compass. I come with, with, my, you know, with my issues. I'm bowed down by the situations that I find myself in. I, I get fed up with me, which is often the biggest thing. Is my problem not just and uh, and yet now I'm given a heavenly perspective I'm given a helicopter view I'm given God's big picture of his eternal purposes and I'm reminded that I'm part of that in fact I'm key to it each of us is key to that as we work out the kingdom in our lives as we submit ourselves to the will of God and work that out to others 
It also provides us, as we think about wanting the uh, kingdom to come, our mind goes out to those people who are not yet part of the kingdom. It drives us to have compassion and prayer for those outside the kingdom. 1 Peter 2.9 talks about us being a royal priesthood. We're here to stand in the gap for those who don't know him, to pray for them, to serve them, to love them. Because otherwise, that's the only way that God's kingdom is going to come, is if we stand in the gap on their behalf. So, that, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it sort of changes, also drastically, to give us today our daily bread. What I love about this is Jesus isn't over-spiritualising stuff. He gets down to the nitty-gritty. The need, our needs matter to God. And the prayer, give us today our daily bread, is a prayer that some people are praying re, re, for themselves, reality across the world, and even in this country. There are those of us, there are those of people, those brothers and sisters as well, who do not have anything. They don't know where their meal, next meal is coming from, and they are praying for our daily bread. People in this country, choices we hear between eating and heating. This is where people are. And even if we're, if we're not in that position, what it does do is it shows that we have a dependency on and a gratitude to God. Because if we don't pray that, we, I mean, we're assuming that we're all gonna go home, the oven's on, it's working, we're praying for your oven, Michelle, okay? And the oven's on, it's working, it, yeah, you, your oven broke yesterday. You know, and you think, oh no, oh no, the oven, you know, and because we're like that, if, we, if we're not there and we open the cupboard and it's, nothing's there, it'd be shock horror. But actually by recognising that we pray for our daily bread, that only everything comes from God, it encourages us to be grateful for that. It also reminds us that it is our place to answer the prayers of others. When some people are praying, give us this day our daily bread, God will be pointing a finger at us and saying, actually, we need to help them with that. We need to share what we have. I've put some references to James. If you want to look at this aspect of prayer, then read the book of James. And our responsibility in terms of helping to meet the physical and practical needs of others, of our brothers and sisters, we, as, we pray, as we ask God for our bread, we're reminded of the fact that there are people that we might know that we don't, that, who don't have that. And we, therefore, it is our obligation and our, and, our, and our joy to help us, to help answer those prayers. It also says that actually that prayer changes things, doesn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. Give, give us, give all those who are in need our daily bread. And prayer changes things. James says you don't ask because you, you don't get because you don't ask. He also refers to this Elijah and how that we are like Elijah. We can come boldly and ask for those things in faith and we expect to see things happen. Now, I don't fully understand and I've never fully understand how when you have a sovereign God who is in charge of everything, how our prayers change things. I don't really get it, but we know that it does. 
we know and we pray to the sovereign God who can make those things happen so we can come with confidence and with faith and expectation that as we ask God, God, if things change because of all that God does. Then after that, so that's that, it's pretty good now. This prayer, prayer business, it's really good. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Forgive us our sins or trespasses or debts, whatever way you want to look at it, as we have forgiven our, 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 though our debtors or those who sin or trespass against us. So prayer then is also the place where restoration of relationships begins. It starts with prayer. Forgive those who've sinned against me. Because as we come to prayer, we're reminded again of how much God has already forgiven us. Now, I'm not going to do a talk on forgiveness, and I've hinted at this before, that from God's angle, when we come to him, this forgiveness of us is instant. But in, with us, forgiveness is often a process that we have to work through, and relationship restoration is one that we have to work through. But it starts in prayer, where before God, we ask for their forgiveness. Jesus said, didn't he, another place in Luke, Luke 5, I think it is, Bless those, pray for those, pray for your enemies, bless those who persecute you. It starts when we're before God and he helps to begin to change our hearts so that before him we ask for blessing and not cursing on the people who've hurt us. Where we begin to ask for forgiveness for those people who we believe have hurt us because, because we have received forgiveness for the hurt that we have done God, for the hurt that we have done others. And how can we ask for and receive forgiveness if we're not in turn open to God enabling us and helping us to forgive others? And that then begins to take the barriers down and begin the process of restoration of, 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 of relationship. It begins in prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Prayer prepares us for spiritual warfare. As we go through life, there really is somebody out to get us. You know, it's not just paranoia. There is someone out to get us. And how, the, and how Satan tends to get us is not because he tends to jump on us, or jump on us out of a bush and, and take us over. What he does is he challenges our thinking. He sows seeds of doubt, of resentment. You know, we talk about forgiveness. Where, where does the Satan get in there? Then? He said, how can you forgive? Look what they've done to you. Don't forgive them. And he begins to build roots of bitterness. And we, we, we come and he says, you call yourself a Christian. You haven't prayed for three days. You're a failure. You're a washout. You've, you, you know, or, or we've done something wrong that we shouldn't have done. And, 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 and Satan says, look, you're not real. You're still dressed in filthy rags. And, and, and prayer changes that because it starts off with our Father. 
We can say to Satan, yeah, God is our father. God's my father. That has not changed. That relationship hasn't changed. God, Jesus, the forgiveness that Jesus has for us doesn't change. No one can pluck us out of his hand. And what we're looking for there is as we pray, it prepares us for that. It prepares us for the temptations that, 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 that Satan's going to throw in our way. And he says, Lord, lead us not into that. Protect us from that. Protect us from going off course, from being off kilter. It's only as we pray that we can begin to put on the armour of God. And um, you can look that up in, in Ephesians. So look, so Jesus is for, for spiritual warfare. Satan wants to destabilise our compass. But as we pray, it's reset and it prepares us. So that's prayer. But actually there's even more to prayer than this. And I, I suppose over the years there's some things about prayer that have really amazed me. So can we go on to the last one here? That actually prayer is about God. The risk is that actually we start focusing on ourselves again. We become performance related. Well, you know, how am I praying? Am I praying these through these stages? Am I using these as a sort of a, a formal template? How good am I at them? But actually prayer is about God. That's what makes it so exciting. It's about the Trinity. We read in, uh, in, in, Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, I hope I've got it marked here. Yeah, it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In the Spirit. This is the Spirit that motivates us and enables us in the first place. If it wasn't for the work of the Spirit, we wouldn't want to pray. But when we have the Spirit in our lives, when we're, when we're baptised in the Spirit, the Spirit comes into us and he motivates us to pray. He enables us to pray. He brings word. He, he, gives us the, he gives many people the gift of praying in tongues, for example, which is a way where you can pray in the Spirit to, to, to worship him. When words fail you, the Spirit steps in. So the Spirit motivates and enables us. But more than that, but also, well not more, but in addition to that, the, the Spirit intercedes for or, or with us. This is good. I like this. But I like lots of things in the Bible, so that's a bit of a problem. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit recognises that actually we're not, we, we are not very good at praying. But what the Spirit says is it actually doesn't matter. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Okay? Isn't that great? We don't know. So what the Spirit does, he himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit takes our weak, feeble, inadequate prayers and he just magnifies them. With groans that words come express. So no matter how good you are or think you are at praying, you can't outpray the Holy Spirit because he does it with groans and words and sound that are greater than we can possibly conjure up. Isn't that great? I, in other words, it doesn't matter. It's the intention. It's the intention of our heart that God looks at. And then he takes that and by the Spirit magnifies it. But more than that, as we read earlier in, in, in our passage, the Father knows what we need before we ask. Well, that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? We're there. 
He knows. So we don't have to worry if we've missed something out. You know, we go out the room, we've been to a prayer meeting, oh, blast, forgot to pray about so-and-so. Father knew anyway. He want, but so why does he want, if he knows what, he, what, what we need before we ask it, why does he want to know? Well, because another thing about the Father is that prayer brings pleasure to the heart of God. Revelation 5, 8, we read, we, we get this picture of the elders before the, 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 the throne of grace and they're holding bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. A sweet smelling savour to God. So every time I'm in the car and I say, bless that person who cut me up just now, it's actually a sweet smelling savour to God because it's an expression of faith. It's an intention. It's, it's, it's a, heart, a heart there. Well, it, it, it's just a, a joy to God for him to know that we are acknowledging him in our lives, in our moment. That's why we can pray continually. You know, we don't have to shut our eyes when we're driving and put our hands together. Although the time may come where we may have cars that enable us to do that. But at the moment, we don't. But, we, but, we, but it doesn't matter. As we're talking and sharing with God, as we would do to a friend, you know, he has, takes pleasure and delight, no matter how we go, no matter how adequate or inadequate it is. And then finally, finally, this, this also from Romans 8, 34, we read this. Who is it that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father and is also interceding or praying for us. You know, just as we do a little bit of prayer to him, it talks about, again, I think ever lives. I don't think, I think that's, a, that's not so much that ever lives as an eternal, but there's a quality about that. That one of the purposes of Christ in heaven is to pray for me. It's not enough that he, he, he came to this earth. It's not enough that he, he, he I mean, I, I, I can't get my head around it. It's not enough that he, he, he lived as he did, that he was an outcast, that he was put on the cross, that he was crucified for us, that he was buried. It's not enough that he's raised to life and he's been accepted by the Father and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's actually preparing a place for me, that's another thing, and he's, he's still praying for me all the time, continuously. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't it just blow your mind? It blows mine. So prayer is all about God. It's a grace gift. Is prayer. When, if, if this doesn't motivate us to, to rejoice in the gift of prayer, I don't know what is. So let's, let's next time all put our hands up when we say we crack prayer. Because we, we, if our heart is for God and we let put time for him, then that's what God is looking for. So what does he want from us? What does he want from us? He wants, in that, in that word of that great theologian Nike, just do it.
Or is it Nike or Adidas? I never go down there. It is, it is Nike. Just do it. No matter how it comes out, who cares? No matter if you stumble over your words, if you're praying in public, so what? If you forget about things, doesn't matter. Let's just do it. And then we'll find out that, that God will reward it, will magnify it, and we will find ourselves devoted to prayer. Amen. Thank you.